0: If you got your Bible, we're in the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament, you can uh, open up to there and while you're finding that, we are continuing in our new sermon series called Living for God in Our World. And uh, today we're gonna answer the question, can I be different? And uh, here's the struggle that so many believers have in this world, are you ready for this? This is what we say, we say, Man, this place is whack. This place is crazy. Can I get an amen? Do you agree with that? This world is nuts, right? And one of the things that I've noticed over the last couple years especially with everything that's taking place within our shifting culture, is that it seems like for so many believers that we're just living with all this tension about what's gone on and what's currently going on. And so the question becomes for believers is, how do I navigate through all of this tension and turbulence that's going on. And so as I was planning 2024's preaching calendar, I thought about what scripture had to say to the believers in the Bible who were experiencing trials and just all kinds of difficult times. And so I wanted to look at how God's word could speak into our lives in 2024 and teach us how to navigate through the crazy things in life. And so the book of First Peter is the book in the New Testament for us to look at for that purpose. And Peter says in 1 Peter, he says, we're strangers in this world. And we talked about this last week. In other words, for us who are believers in Christ, this world, hear me church, is not our home. Okay? And it's because of that very fact that the things of this world are many times not gonna make sense to us. In fact, if you're a believer in Christ and if the world's stuff is making total sense to you and you're probably in agreement with, me, with that, that's actually kind of a problem, okay? And so Peter lays out for us two different economies. Now, not two worlds, but two different economies, and we talked about this last week as well. We have over here the economy of God, and this is love and holiness and righteousness and all of the teachings of Scripture, and over here we have the economy of the world, and this includes all the values, the processes, the systems that are in play, all of which we are familiar with. We see them day in and day out, and all of them, church, are influenced by satan all of them okay and satan uses these things to entice people and he plays into their fleshly instincts and the desires that we have as human beings for the sole purpose of causing havoc So what he does this is true for unbelievers and it is true for believers as well because Satan will say things like, man, if you just do this thing right here, oh, buddy, if you just go down this path, dude, life is going to be wonderful. The reality is if you have listened to that line of thinking, if you have walked that path before, you know it doesn't turn out so well does it and so Peter is writing to believers who are experiencing intense difficulty persecution they're experiencing a culture that had the exact same two economies in play as we do today where believers would experience spiritual tension when the two economies collided The good news is that there's other New Testament writers that speak to believers in the early days as well. For example, the Apostle Paul said, and this isn't in your notes, but the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, he said, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation." Then you will be able to shine among them like stars in the sky. In fact, the Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 5, he says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Both of these men tell us that the world is all messed up. Would you agree? Okay. All of the world. All of it, church, the whole world is under the control of Satan. And that's a big statement to us when we read that. It's in the text of scripture. And so if you as a believer of Christ, if you can see what's going on in our world and if you can navigate this world with the right perspective, the scripture says you will shine like a star. So get this, everybody. Everybody. The world has been messed up for a real long time. In fact, it's been messed up since Genesis chapter three. That is when sin came into the scene of of humanity. Now, consequently, because of that, all kinds of crazy stuff happened throughout the Old Testament stories, right? And then all kinds of crazy stuff happened in the New Testament stories. We read about those. Fast forward about a thousand years to about a thousand years ago, crazy stuff was happening, and now you fast forward into our days, crazy stuff is still happening. Guess what the future is going to look like? Crazy stuff. And I said this last week two economies, and I said it today, two economies both operating on parallel tracks. Again, one side we have the economy of God, where there's love, where there's prayer answered, where there is victory over sin, where there is hope for a future in heaven with Christ, where we can have fellowship with him. And then over here is the economy of the world. It is 100% controlled by Satan. It is 100% under the influence of him, and it is 100% hostile to God. Have you ever noticed how much the world seems to not like Christianity? Have you ever noticed that? It doesn't like the gospel. Well, why is it that way? Because the gospel is offensive to the people who are under the influence of the world. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, whoever's not with me is against me. Jesus recognized that. Two economies, folks. There is not a third. This world that we're living in, walking in, day in and day out, is under the influence of Satan. Are we with me? Okay. So then, that's why you hear politicians say crazy things. In fact, here in California, they'll say things like this, right? Drug usage is really high. (laughs) Let's legalize it. Now, if you're a believer, you kind of scratch your head at that and you go, what? Man, that's crazy. Drugs are ruining people's lives and we're just gonna legalize it? What? Now, hopefully you as a believer, you scratch your head and you say, how did they get there? And the answer is, brothers and sisters, is they're under the influence of the systems of this world which are under the influence of Satan. And so as believers, God has given us a higher calling. And we're gonna look at that today. In God's word, Peter gives us a challenge to be different. And the first thing is, number one in your outline, is to remember that you have been made new as a believer in Christ. Amen? And we say thank you, Jesus, for that. We have been made new. 1 Peter chapter one, verse 14. The text says this. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In other words, don't fall back into the same old desires that you had before you were saved. Because that's going to be what Satan uses to entice you to get off of the very path that God is calling you to walk. Verse 15 says this. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in, what's the word, church? All you do. Now, not just here on Sunday here at FBCFO when you're talking to me and you're talking to your wonderful church friends and and showing all the good stuff and the highlights of the week, but also be holy Monday through Saturday. That's a little bit more difficult, isn't it? Scripture says, Be holy in all you do, verse 16. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So God is calling us to be just like Jesus. We're not going to be lazy. We're not going to slip back into the old ways and just doing whatever it is that we want to do. That's the old sin nature talking. But as believers, We know better, don't we? We have God's word to tell us what we need to do. So instead, we're gonna be obedient children of God. We're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and shape us and and help our lives get into the image of Christ. The Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Paul says, you're a new creation, amen? Amen, great news. Peter says, you're to be holy. Now some of you are probably sitting here going, hey, Pastor Wayne, I get the new creation part, it's all good, Uh, but no one has ever called me holy before. In fact, I've been called lots of things, And holy isn't one of them. In fact, I'm not even sure what that means. Well, holiness means, brothers and sisters, to be set apart. In other words, because of the work that Jesus has done, we have been lifted up off of this pathway of the world, right the road that is leading straight to hell, and we have now been put over here on God's team, on God's path, for God's eternal purposes. So Christian, I've got good news for you. You have been made new. God has saved you and he's recreated you to live completely different than all the people out there. Completely different from all the world's systems. You're not one of them. You're over here now. And even though you and me were currently living on this same planet as all of them, God says do not accept the value system of it. You're in the world, you're not of the world. You're called to live according to a completely different economy, my economy, which is a completely different set of values. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You've been set apart. You've been given the Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you on a completely new pathway. In other words, everybody hear me. You're different than everybody else out there. And it's by God's power that you can live differently than all of those people out there. And living differently than all of those people, it's not gonna be easy. It's gonna require some discipline on our behalf. It's just not gonna happen through some kind of osmosis, like I'm just gonna show up to church and all of a sudden I'm gonna be disciplined. That's not how it's gonna work. It's gonna take some effort. And it's through the power and the work of God's spirit living in the heart of the believer, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That spirit is gonna work in our hearts and it's with active obedience to the word of God, right? the things that Jesus has plainly already said, so it's not hard for us, it's right there in the word, each one of us can be different. We can live different. And the people around us in the world are gonna see that we're different. Okay? You've been made new by Jesus. So be holy as he is holy. And the world is absolutely gonna think that you're odd. Plan on it. And the ways of the world are going to be odd to you. Plan on it. But you're not here to please the world, my friends. You're here to please God and to be about his purposes and his purposes alone. So that leads us to the second part of the challenge to be different, number two in your outline. And that's to prepare yourself for a different life. And this is where it becomes really important for us to lock into what Peter is saying. Chapter one, verse 13. I'm gonna read from the New King James Version now. Peter says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now let me just stop right there. Anybody have any idea what that means? Because something tells me that in California, girding up loins isn't even legal. Okay? Sounds kind of weird. It does sound kind of weird, but here's what it means, okay? In, in biblical days, men would wear robes that were really long, right? And they were split and in, in the middle, and at the end, there would be tassels at the very bottom of their robe. And so if they were getting serious about a job or a task that they had to do, maybe digging a hole in their yard or whatever it was, they would, they would gird their loins, meaning that they would bend down, pick up the robe, and kind of tuck it into their waistband. And this way they could move about the, the job and not get kind of you know, restricted with, with their clothing. And so, so this was a figure of speech that everyone in this day completely understood. Now for us in 2024, how can we apply that? Well, it basically means this, everyone. It's, it's, like, it's like Peter is saying to us, okay, Christian, it's time to muscle up, time to get serious about what you need to do to be a, a disciple of Christ. If you're gonna walk around this planet and if you're gonna be on the pathway of God, you've gotta get serious about your mind, you've gotta get serious about your thought life. And then the verse continues. He says, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So in your outline, how to prepare to be different. Letter A is this is I need to have a single mind. I need to have a single mind. Right, there's two economies going on, and the problem for us as believers is that part of the time, our minds are on the things of God, and the other part of the time, our minds are on the things of the world. And I don't know about you, but every time that this happens in my life, I get frustrated spiritually. I feel like something is missing in my life, and that's because I'm not girding up my loins. I'm not getting serious about being single-minded, specifically single-minded on the things of God. So, collectively, we have to stop thinking that we can have part of our mind in the things of God and part of our mind in the things of the world. It does not work, my friends. Trying to do so will cause us to be a schizophrenic believer. I talked about that last week, right? It does not work. We have to be single-minded. And what follows is letter B, we have to have a serious mind as well. Verse 13 says for us to be sober. Now, not somber, but sober. Now, why is this? Because if we're not sober-minded, our mind and our thoughts will be elsewhere. And our mind is such an important part of following Christ. God wants us to be totally locked in on his ways and his purposes and his desires. So in your outline, Peter even tells us the why of this. And that's number three. Because God paid a price for you. God has paid a price for you. Everybody say me. Come on, church, everybody say me. God has paid a price for you, for thee, for me and thee, right? He's paid a price for you. 1 Peter chapter one, verse 18, says this. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. And here's the key part. From the empty way of life. Okay, pause now. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you feel like there seems to be no purpose and no meaning and no direction in life, if you're feeling that internally, hear me, my friend, you're feeling like something is missing because it is. So this should be a blinking red light in your life. It's an indicator that you are living on the path of the world. Peter is saying Friends, you used to live that way. The empty way of life. It has no purpose. It has no meaning. And as believers, we need to be reminded of this truth. We need to get back onto the ways of God because it's over here in God's path that we will find purpose and meaning and direction. Amen? Okay. So if you're a believer and if emptiness is going on inside of you, I guarantee you that the issue is spiritual. It's spiritual. You have to fill this void spiritually. It's not about owning stuff, it's not about anything else. It's not about moving to Texas or moving to Idaho like so many people did back in the pandemic, right? It's not about getting a new car, it's not about getting a new job. It's spiritual. It's about needing spiritual revival in your life. So I'm gonna encourage you, throw some wood on the fire, open up your Bible, get the word of God into your life, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and just allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. Amen? Now, the verse goes on to say that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The reason we need to have this single-mindedness and this serious-minded idea is because all of us who are believers in Jesus, we have been redeemed according to scripture. We were bought with a price, not with money, not with good works, but with the precious blood of Jesus. And what we, uh, And what we have as believers is an eternal inheritance, and that's given to us because Jesus died for us. God has paid a massive price for you, for you, for you, 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 you and you and you and you. Don't lose sight of that, my friends. Don't lose sight of that. You are called to be holy. You are challenged to be different and live differently than everybody else in the unbelieving world. So how do we do this, Pastor Wayne? Well, I've got some good news for you. We can do this, okay? We can do this. And Peter gives us three action steps to help us to be different. These are good tools for us to self-evaluate with. How can we be different than the world? Well, we can be different by having number one in your outline, discipline with your love. All three of these that we're gonna talk about are disciplines, and the word discipline and disciple, as in disciple of Jesus, both come from the same Greek root word, paideia, and it means to have self-discipline, and so as we evaluate one of the ways that we're different is from the world is with the way that we love people verse 22 of 1st Peter chapter 1 it says now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth you see how that works there you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other and now here's the challenge part love one another deeply From where? The heart. Now, I oftentimes joke and will say to my friends, hey, I believe everything in the Bible. I just wish sometimes a lot of the words that are in there weren't there, right? And this verse is one of them. I wish Peter would have just simply said something like, hey, if you wanna be a disciple of Jesus, just like people and be nice to them. I mean, I can like people, but Peter doesn't say that, mm He says, I'm to love people. Ugh. I don't like that one, Peter. And he says, Wayne, it's more than that. You're to love them ugh, deeply from my heart. <sighs> okay, right, I know that's how you're feeling too sometimes. Now, in full transparency, folks, This is not easy. It's easy to love all the lovable people in life, amen? Jesus said it's simple to love those who love you back. And he also said there's no reward in that. Anybody can do that. But in in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. 35, by this, men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Man, it's so easy to love the lovable people in life, but it's difficult to love the people who are difficult to us, right? Do you have any of those in your life? I mean, if not, I've got like 27 I can share with you free of charge. Okay, I'm just kidding, all right? But Jesus says we're to love each other the lovable people and all the difficult people and our enemies. Yeah, I don't like that one either, God. Just saying. Now, why does Jesus tell us this? Because it's a picture of our devotion to Christ. Jesus said, it's by our love that the world will know that we are functioning by a different standard. In fact, and we talked about this back in November, but when you look at the New Testament church in the book of Acts, you know they didn't have pastors, they didn't have buildings, they didn't have heat in a building like this. Isn't it nice that we have some heat, right? They didn't have, they didn't have a worship band. They didn't have any of that stuff. All that they had was each other and the apostles' teaching. That's it. They were considered outcasts and they were hated by Rome and we talked about that last week. They were persecuted by the very community that they lived in. And whenever an unbeliever would walk into a New Testament church's environment, they would say, man, I don't know anything about that Jesus guy you guys keep talking about, the walking on the water, the miracles, the healings, the resurrection and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know if I believe that. But one thing I can see about all y'all is that you sure do love each other. That happened. And so it makes me wonder, as a Christian, when unbelievers walk into a church, now not just our church, but any church, they may say, you know, I don't know if I believe anything that the bald guy up on the stage is talking about, that Jesus guy, but one thing I see is that you people sure do love each other. Would they say that? Or would they say something else? Yeah, I don't know about all that Jesus stuff that the bald guy up there on the stage is talking about. I'm still processing all that and and, and I'm listening, but one thing I see is, man, you church people, you sure are judgmental about outsiders. Is that what they would say? Jesus said, people would know you are mine by your love for one another. It's our love for others, church. It's what scripture says. This is a picture of who Jesus is to us and it's a picture of our devotion to him. So congregation, I ask you this morning, how are you doing with your love for other people? You doing okay? How about the difficult ones in your life? How about your enemies? How are you doing with that? Second one is this, number two is that we're to have discipline with our mouth. And over the course of my life, this one has probably been one of the harder ones for me to get a grip on, and I know it is for a lot of people as well. 1 Peter chapter two, verse one. Peter says, therefore, rid yourself of all malice and of all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And see, When I say in our outline today with our mouth, it's a summary of these things in this verse because the way that we convey malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander is with our words. So this one, honestly, is kind of a spiritual check for many of us. So let's just take it in today with a little bit of humility, okay? Oftentimes people will say things like, well, you know, I don't talk like that when I'm at home. Just kind of at work. And it always makes me think a little bit, right? It's like, because the truth is, is none of us have a big enough filter in our own lives to 100% compartmentalize our speech. We can't do it. Eventually, the things that we say in one place are gonna come out in another place, right? Isn't that how it goes? Okay, and here's why. Because the starting point of our words is not our tongue. Our words come from our inner soul, our heart. And so if you don't like some of the things that you've said recently, or maybe your habitual speech is kind of yucky, the area to put some attention to, my friends, is your heart. It's not in your outline, but Jesus said, Matthew 15, 19, he says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. It's all of our yucky speech, right? My parents used to tell my brother and I when we were growing up, boys, garbage in, garbage out. And yeah, These are heart issues, my friends. Our speech is a heart issue. And so how do you make the necessary changes? Well, First thing you gotta do is you gotta cut off the influx of the world's contamination. That could be difficult to do, but you really need to do it. And then you gotta take the word of God and you have to let it wash over you and over your heart and flush out all the contaminants that the outside world has allowed you to feed on. Fairly simple idea. Takes a whole lot of effort on our behalf to actually do it. And that leads us to point number three. And that's to have discipline with our desire for God's word. Take a look at verse two with me, would you? First Peter chapter two. It says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Verse three, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Peter is saying here that when a baby is born, its natural desire is to long for its mother's milk. This is true in the animal kingdom. Have you ever seen a little baby calf get born? You know what it wants? As soon as it can stand up, mama, 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 right? Same thing's true for humans, right? We long for mother's milk. And so from a spiritual standpoint, as a believer in Jesus, We should naturally crave the spiritual nourishment of God into our life, a.k.a. his word. We should want it. And so Peter gives us the reason for that right here in the text, so that we may grow in salvation. Now, it doesn't mean that we were saved and now we're like super-duper-duper saved, Okay? It just means that his word is what develops our spiritual life. And so if we're not taking in a constant flow of God's word, the reality is, brothers and sisters, is we will not have the necessary spiritual nourishment that we need to grow in faith. It's not going to happen. We're going to be stagnant at that point. It's only through a good discipline and an influx of God's word into our life that we'll become more like Jesus. That's it. It's that simple. That is the only pathway to having a heart, mind, and attitude of Christ. That's it. So if you want to be more like Jesus, this is what you have to do. Plain and simple. You have to have your diet feeding on God's word. So if, if, if you're having difficulty there, I wanna encourage you, let's up that diet, all right? And in love for you, I say to you today, I ask you some questions. What, what path are you on, right? Are, are you on the path of the world or are you on the path of God, okay? Are you pursuing all the, the yuckiness of the world or are you pursuing the things of Christ? There is only two paths, There is not a third, and all of us are on one of them. How's your love for the people around you? Are you loving the difficult people? Are you loving your enemies the same way that Christ would? Do you have the love for your enemies that Christ wants you to have? Are you even thinking about that? How's your speech, the words that you say? Are your words honoring to the Lord? Because your words give insight to others exactly what's going on inside of you. This one's difficult for so many. It really is. But honestly, we need to consider it. Friends, how's your devotional life? Are you spending time with God? Are you reading his word? Are you hearing the word of God? Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Are you hearing it? Was there a time in your past where maybe you had a really good devotional life, but now it's kind of apathetic? Maybe your excuse is, Pastor Wayne, I'm just not a reader, bro. Okay, I hear you, not a problem. I want to encourage you to get the Version app on your super awesome smartphone because the UVersion app will read it to you. Advantage of modern technology, right? In fact, on Friday night at group, Greg was sitting next to me and his Bible was reading to him. I was like, what's that? He goes, oh, the Bible's reading to me. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Your devotional life is essential for spiritual growth. Are you with me, church? So in closing today, I wanna encourage you to do some self-evaluation today. Which path are you currently on? God's path or the world's path? And the second question is, I put it on the outline, it's right on the screen behind me. Which path are you gonna take moving forward? If you're a believer in Christ, God has redeemed you. He's redeemed you from this sinful path and he has placed you on his path. Stay on it. It's not always gonna be easy. It's not always gonna be smooth sailing. Trials are going to come at you, but stand fast. Following God is a life of finding hope, it's finding meaning, it's finding purpose. And the things of God will start making sense when you understand why God has made you. And remember, my friends, you can never go wrong when you make the decision to follow Jesus. You've been made new. He set you apart. Your life is different now than it used to be. That's the old life. It's gone, because you were bought with a price. And that price is what? Jesus died for you. So yes, yes my friends, you can be different. And you can live each day in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You can do it. You can do it. And that, my friends, is your life's calling. Amen? I'm gonna ask that you would stand and pray with me this morning. Our Father, we come to you this morning and just uh, in your grace and in your mercy, God, we lift up our, our spirit to you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you for what it teaches us. Lord, we're thankful that you did such an amazing work by dying on the cross for our sins. You bought us with the price of your Son. And so, Lord, we don't want to take that for adva- uh, advantage of that. God, it's my prayer this morning that each one of us would elevate our, our spiritual commitment to you, God. Lord, and that we would be firmly on the path that you have put us on and that we would be listening for your directions, God, and that we would be following you, that we would be obedient children. Lord, I'm praying for single-mindedness and and and, 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 single-focusedness and all the things that are a part of your kingdom, Lord, that we would lock in on them. so that we are, we're not tempted to be lured by the, the lust of the flesh and the ways of the world. God, we're, I'm praying that, that we would be molded and shaped into the image of your son today. God, we love you. We just say thank you. Thank you for your, your grace. And church, if you're here today and if you've never given your life to Christ and you're sitting here listening that you to me today and you want to be on God's path and you don't want to be on the world's path and you're sensing God doing a work in your heart this morning, I'm going to encourage you to respond to him. What he's wanting you to do is to repent of your sin and so just say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I need you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for me. And Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess you now as Savior. God, we're praying for change. We're praying for change in our own lives. Lord, help us to be obedient to you as we move forward into the future. Help us to wash the nastiness of this culture in our lives out with your word. We want to be the disciple that you've called us to be. It's in your name that we pray, amen.